everyone. I'm your host, Kristen, and you're listening to the Confessions of Women in STEM podcast, the show that empowers girls to succeed and thrive in STEM. To all my Canadian listeners out there, I hope you are enjoying the long family day weekend. In today's episode, I was very lucky to sit down and speak with Catherine, and she wears many hats, including teacher, writer, and even project coordinator at the Canadian Association of Girls in Science, or CAGIS, but more on all of that very shortly. During our talk, I was genuinely just soaking up all of the great insights Catherine was sharing because she touched on so many interesting topics and unique perspectives, such as an early experience in high school that drew her into STEM, her experiences getting young women fascinated with science and technology, and she shared a lot of valuable advice. One of my favorites being never forgetting to let your curiosity run wild. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Catherine. It is such a big honor to welcome Catherine onto the podcast. Catherine, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. To kick off our chat, I'd really love for our listeners to get to know you a bit better. So can you begin by introducing yourself and also sharing what started your journey into STEM? Yes, sure. So um, my name is Catherine McKenzie. Um, I am project coordinator with CAGIS, which is the Canadian Association for Girls in Science. Um, and I've been working with CAGIS since 2019. Um, so I went to school in, um, in Oakville and in high school, um, my science teacher invited me to attend a special workshop that was, uh, that happens annually actually at Brock University, which is called Scientifically Yours. And it was a three-day workshop where you go and stay at the university. And they had um, uh, undergraduate students and professors who ran activities in different um, subjects. So you could pick. There was a like a menu of different topics that you could do. Um, and I remember I picked um, a biology activity where we were... Um, we were putting bacteria into a centrifuge to try and um, make changes to the bacteria. Um, we, I did a topology um, session, which was really exciting. And um, I'm, I don't remember now, it's been a long time since I was in grade 11. So I don't remember what, uh, what the other one was, but um, I remember it was just so different from what we'd been doing in high school science classes. And I was really excited by it. And, I decided at that point that I had to make sure that I was doing STEM in some way um, in university. Um, so I ended up applying to a program at McMaster called the Arts and Science Program, which is an interdisciplinary program. So you take a variety of courses. Uh, so I took courses in the arts because um, I was a strong English student. So I was taking English, I was taking history, um, I was taking uh, a philosophy and then I was also taking calculus and physics and biology and statistics. And so it was great because it really gave me a very sort of broad background with a lot of um, experience in different subjects. And this program also um, focused on experiential education. So one of the courses that I did as a component of it, I ended up um, volunteering for about six months at an outdoor education center with youth. And so that kind of led me into um, 
into teaching as well and into an interest about how do you teach about nature. So yeah, that's a bit of a background on me. Thank you. That is super fascinating. And already there's so many things that I want to dive into more. But one thing you mentioned was having that early experience in STEM with that Brock University experience. And that kind of ties into my next question, Mm -hmm. which is, can you share how you first got involved with Kegis and what the organization is? Because it does play a really big role in giving young women these experiences in STEM. And can you also walk us through your current role as well? Yeah, sure. So um, I am uh, a parent to three children, um, currently 20, 15, and 10. Um, So when my oldest, who, as I said, is now 20, was about eight years old, um, we found out about our local Kegis chapter. And so my daughter joined as a member. Um, My second child was really little at the time. She would have been about three. So Sometimes she would go if I accompanied my my oldest to an event, but really it was, you know, my oldest was the one who was the right age to attend. And she was a member of Kegis from then on. She used to go to all these different events and I thought they were really cool. I used to try and come along with her. If they had room for parents, I would go too. Um, so we did things like we went to the Weather Network studios to see how they um would produce weather reports um we went to different university labs and did all kinds of cool activities in different subjects so it was forensic science and chemistry and you know everything you could think of and um my kids used to do a popsicle stick bridge building contest every year that was through one of the Kegis chapters they also joined a lego robotics team uh through Kegis too um, so there was in Oakville, it's not currently, but in Oakville at one point, um, the the chapter had its own Lego robotics team that would compete. So I was familiar with Kegis in that way um, as a parent. And then um, I was following Kegis on social media. And then I saw in 2019 that they were hiring at that point for a project coordinator. That's the way that I um, ended up working for Kegis. Um you asked about what a typical day is like. So the Kegis national team works remotely. So often I'm connecting with other team members over phone, over the phone or on Zoom. Um, I'll work on things like um, our website, on um, training materials, um, on any of the programming stuff that we're doing. We have two main streams of programming. Um, we have a virtual program and we have our in-person program that takes place in chapters across Canada. Um, and as with that uh, in-person programming, the local chapters are all run by teams of volunteers. So one of the important parts of my role is to support the local chapters um, and also anybody who's involved with them. So I talk a lot with volunteers and with STEM experts, and that's really like a a very interesting part of the job because I'm talking to people who work in all these different fields um, and are very passionate about what they do. So it's exciting to learn from them and to find out the message they're hoping to get across to youth who are participating in our programs. And then sometimes I'm also involved in events. So um, every so often I will be at an in-person event, um, which are they're always um, hands-on 
um, STEM activities that feature a STEM expert and some kind of really interesting STEM activity. Um, and sometimes I'm also involved in, in virtual events as well. So it will depend day to day, um, but, uh, but my day can include any of those things. Great. That was really interesting to hear about. And kind of building off on that, I was wondering what aspects of your work with Kegis do you find the most fulfilling and meaningful? Probably it would be good if I tell you a personal story, which is about my my oldest, my daughter, uh, Delia. So she's the one who's um, who joined when she was eight. And I mentioned we went to a bunch of different events. But one event that made a huge impact on her was when she was about 12. And she went to an animation event at Sheridan College. There are a number of different animation programs in Canada. Sheridan College is a really well-regarded animation school in Canada, but also internationally. And so we were very lucky that they were willing to run an event for KGIS members. And um, Delia went to this event and she learned a little bit about um, something called 2D rigging, which is uh, where essentially you're kind of putting a skeleton into a character that you've drawn and telling telling the computer how to move that skeleton <laughs> so that you can you can make your character move and animate it. And she was so excited after that event. She came home and she said, well, this is what I want to do. I want to be an animator. And I was happy that she'd enjoyed the event. Um, but I thought also, you know, she's 12 and you might change your mind. But um, she didn't change her mind. She was really focused on it. And she continued to work through high school on developing the skills that she would need to be an animator. And um, she applied to Sheridan in a different program, a studio arts program. And so she went there for a year and then she applied um, to the animation program and she didn't get in. And so she was really disappointed, but also it's a very competitive program and it's she knew that she might not get in. Um, they take about one in 10 applicants. So it's uh, not uncommon for people to apply multiple years. So she kept working at it and then she applied the second year and the second year she got in. Um, and so she's now in the Bachelor of Animation program there. You know, essentially I knew that Delia would never have considered this as a career if she hadn't gone to that Kegis event. And I've also heard from um, other members or alum um, who have gone to an event and they've learned about a field that perhaps they didn't consider before, um, may not even have known about it as a, as a potential career path. And then they get inspired by the, the experts who are there and they then want to pursue that. So I think that's one of the most exciting things about working with Kegis is seeing the real impact that it has on youth and seeing the way that People just connect and support each other. That is honestly such a heartwarming story. And I love seeing how you have that perspective as a parent who's actually had your child be a part of Kegis, but you're also part of the planning and the managing side in your role. So I think it's really interesting seeing those two sides come together. And I'm really curious, just in general, how have you seen STEM positively impact the lives of girls and students? And similar to your story with your daughter, are there any, I guess, specific stories or experiences that stand out to you? I think one of the things that I've seen is 
sometimes people will come across, it could be a topic or it could be a question that they feel really passionate about. Perhaps, for example, it's something in a coding field and the youth is just really excited about the way that they can use coding to solve a problem, um, a real world problem. And I think it's very empowering um, when you become passionate about something. Also, I've seen it have a positive impact where you're tackling an activity and it could be something like you're building an electric circuit or um, one activity that we've done in the past was um, to make bath bombs. And you might come into this activity with not very much background experience, but you tackle it and you do it. And at the end, you know, the youth has made something that an adult would be proud to have made. And I think that's also empowering and helps them helps them see what they're capable of. 100%. And I like what you mentioned about passion and how you can turn those skills and STEM passions into ways to actually help your community and even solve problems that you see around you. So I think that's definitely very impactful. Mm -hmm. Transitioning a bit, taking into account all of those ideas, what skills, abilities, and even personal attributes do you believe are really essential or critical for success in STEM fields? I think it helps a lot if you have a natural sense of curiosity. So if you're somebody who looks around at the world and you have questions about things, I think that that's definitely a, a helpful attribute to have in STEM. Um, I think also if you're the kind of person who finds it satisfying to chase down the answer to something, you could call it um, stubbornness <laughs> um, or persistence, um, but I think that's also a helpful personal attribute to have. Another thing that I think is really valuable um, is uh, actually empathy. Um, and the first time that I heard this described as being a helpful STEM attribute um, was at a coding workshop. And the expert who was talking to the group was saying that if you're if you're in coding, it's really important um, to have a listening stage when you're working with a client um, and to have a lot of empathy. And I thought, well, that's a funny thing. Like, why would you need empathy for coding? Um, but as they explained it, it made more and more sense to me um, that when you're trying to solve a problem, first of all, you have to really understand what the nature of the problem is before you can come up with a good solution. So I think that um, listening and really trying to understand um, another perspective is also a, a helpful thing if you're working in STEM in some way. Definitely. Having that inquisitive nature, problem solving, and also what you mentioned about approaching problems with empathy and having that human and that person in mind, those are also important. In your introduction, you touched on how you're also a teacher, which is super cool. Often I think about how STEM is so important and something that I'm really passionate about. And often a lot of students might not be interested in STEM or struggle building that passion or finding those experiences. So I was curious, could you offer any insights into how we can make STEM subjects more appealing and engaging to students? And what role do you think teachers and educators play in building and cultivating this interest? 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, having worked as a teacher, I know teaching can be a challenging job because you're constantly trying to be creative and come up with new ways of presenting the information that you need to teach your students. But I think um, where possible, the more that teachers can make the learning experiential, it's very helpful because STEM is really all around us. It's not just something that you get out of a textbook. It's within our lives. I mean, we are surrounded by technology and nature and just thinking about trades, like everything in our homes <laughs> really relies on tradespeople. And I think where where teachers can bring that real life experience into the classroom um, or take students out of the classroom to have that experience, um, I think that's very helpful. Another thing that I think is important is um, to encourage asking questions, to not make students feel like it's embarrassing to ask a question. I think we all have that feeling of being in a classroom and you don't want to be the person necessarily who's drawing attention to yourself by putting your hand up. But it's great to ask questions. That's one of the most important things to do. I remember talking to Bonnie Douglas, who I know you've had on your podcast as well, and asking her about why she became a food engineer. And she told me this story about having a popsicle. And I think she said she was at Disney World or somewhere you know, in Florida, and it was really hot. And she had this popsicle and she realized the popsicle wasn't melting, at least not as fast as you would expect in the summer heat. And she was thinking, that's so weird. Why is this popsicle not dripping? You know, it should just be a puddle by now. And that got her interested in how they'd actually formulated this popsicle to slow the melting on it. Um, I'm assuming it had some stabilizers and things added to the, the mix. But um, I think that if you can just notice things in your daily life and, and ask questions, that's super helpful. So I think where if, if teachers can encourage an atmosphere where there's no questions that are out of bounds, um, where it's always a positive thing to, to ask those questions. And the other thing I think that, that's important for teachers is where possible to make things hands-on. We all have a limited amount of information that we can take in through <laughs> reading or, or a lecture. Um, and so I think when you actually get to do something for yourself, that's often what sparks an interest. So giving the opportunity to, within a classroom, use microscopes, do the chemistry experiment, you know, do the reaction. Those things are exciting. And I think we should try and do them whenever we can. I really like that. And as someone who is very shy and also sometimes struggles with raising up my hand in class, I'm definitely all for creating that supportive and open environment. I think it's super valuable. Looking beyond the classroom, I found it super impressive and inspiring when I discovered that your written work has actually made it into various different publications. And on that note, I was wondering, are there any specific topics or themes that you're particularly passionate about addressing through your written work? So sometimes I will just write articles about things that I find interesting. Um, and sometimes they have a STEM connection. They don't don't always, but uh, for example, I wrote an article about raising monarch butterflies because that's a hobby of mine. And, um, you know, I like to write about things where I think that I have something to say that maybe hasn't been said very much yet. Um, so that was something where I realized I was doing a lot of 
learning about monarch butterflies um, from people in the community who were telling me about um, the tips and tricks of how do you raise them successfully. So I thought, hey, I've got something that I can share here. And so that's the articles. I also like to write fiction. Um, so when I write fiction, it tends to be the type that you would call speculative. So speculative fiction is not quite science fiction. I guess it is a little bit, um, but it's where things, if things were just a little bit different than the way we are now, than the way they are now. So often that starts with a what if question. For example, I wrote a story where I was thinking, okay, what if it was possible to use technology to access memories? Like not just to access them, but to relive them like VR, but better. Um, what would that mean for people? Um, so I wrote a story that was based on that. Um, I was also thinking about the way that, you know, our phones seem to know everything about us. And I find that when I'm on Facebook, it's disturbingly good at advertising to me the exact things that I would like to buy. So it's quite spooky. And so I thought that might also be fun for stories. So I thought, okay, well, what if there was an app that coaches us through our day. We already have apps like that. I mean, if you have a Fitbit app or um, there's all kinds of other apps that kind of track what you're doing and make suggestions for how to make your life better. But what if there was some big app that you could download that became this huge thing, like bigger than Facebook, bigger than Amazon. It just became a thing that people began to rely on to guide them through their daily life. So that's a, an, an example of another kind of what if question that for me, it was, you know, it was fun to play with a fictional world <laughs> where maybe that was the case. Those are really interesting. And already my mind is just wondering and trying to find out the answers to those what ifs. So I think writing those pieces is definitely a really great creative outlet. Now, as we conclude our conversation, which has just been full of so many interesting insights and I just love learning more about you, I'd like to pose a final question and that is, what message or piece of advice would you give to girls interested in a STEM career? One of the things about working with Kegis has been that I've heard from experts in so many different career fields. And I just, I wish, I wish I had had all this information when I was younger. And I'm so excited that you asked me this question because it's the thing that I feel, it gets me really excited. I just want to share the the information that I've learned with everyone. So I think the top piece of advice would be to, if you're interested in a STEM career, try and soak up as much information as you can, not only about that STEM career, but really just about everything you can get your hands on. I think often the information about careers that we're exposed to in school tends to be a little bit limited. We tend to have more focus on certain career streams than others. So I think that often People will hear about health sciences. They may hear about engineering, maybe, but they don't necessarily get exposed to all of the other many rich, rewarding career fields that are out there. So I think trying to hear uh, as much as people can, different points of view, different experiences, um, and that could be through an organization like Kegis. Um, there's other not-for-profit organizations out there. I know that you feature lots of different speakers on your podcast. So that's uh, another fantastic source of information for young people interested in a STEM career. Um, and I also think it's important to um, be open to 
career fields that you might not have considered. You might not think that you're going to be interested in a topic, but I would say don't prejudge it. Try and learn a bit more about it first. And you might find that, um, in fact, you're more interested than you would have expected. One story that I heard from a STEM expert, actually, there's kind of two stories. A couple of years back, we spoke to Anne Innistag, who was the world's first giraffeologist. And um, I asked her when she was first, first became interested in giraffes. And she said she was three years old. Her mother had taken her to the zoo and she saw a giraffe and she was just completely taken by it. And then and there, she decided that she wanted to do something with giraffes in her life. But I have also spoken to um, somebody who was getting their PhD in chemistry, who got a D in high school chemistry um, and wasn't sure if she would be able to succeed, but she absolutely succeeded because she ended up, um, you know, studying at a very advanced level. Um, and I also heard from somebody who was a tradesperson who was working in um, electrical in a nuclear power plant. Um, and she had never changed a light bulb before she started her course, um, which I thought was very funny. Um, it was her, it, that was the story that she would tell people is that she'd gone into this electrical course having never changed a light bulb. So what's the takeaway from that? I think if you know what you want to do from a young age and you're certain of it, then go for it. You know, that's great. You've figured out what your passion is, so go ahead and chase it. Um, but if you haven't, don't worry. There's still lots of time to figure it out. And um, I think it's good to try different things until you find something that speaks to you. And also to know that sometimes in that trial and error process, you might start studying something and then realize it's not for you and you want to study something different. And that's completely okay. So my advice would be, first of all, get as much information as you can on different STEM fields. And also don't put too much pressure on yourself. There's lots of time to figure it out. I really, really love that advice. I think it's super helpful hearing about those real life stories and examples because I know going into STEM can be very daunting, but knowing that there have been people before who have gone through it, people who have maybe entered fields and then decided that a different field was better for them, people who have just explored different interests, hearing about those stories really does make it feel more reassuring and just more I guess, motivating as well, knowing that we can do it and that it is definitely possible. So I really appreciate that advice. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and answering all my questions. I really loved having you on the show today and just want to say a huge thank you once again. Oh, thank you, Kristen. Thanks so much. I am incredibly grateful to Catherine for sharing her knowledge and eye-opening pieces of advice with us today. On that note, I want to pass the mic over to you now and ask what resonated most with you today. Feel free to share your thoughts in the discussion section below this episode if you're listening on Spotify. Now, if you're feeling inspired by Catherine's insights like I am, I highly encourage you to check out the links in the show notes where you can learn more about her work. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to the Confessions of Women in STEM podcast wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, take care. Bye.